Hello, and welcome to Not Everyone's Cup of Tea, where we provide you with social commentary and public service announcements from unqualified experts on the questionable behavior of jerks. Today, we'll be discussing raising kids and how not to be a dick about it. We'll be talking about kids, but in no way providing parenting advice. More like offering things for parents to consider while molding them into functioning members of society or at least not letting them act like junior dicks. Are you ever worried that your kid might be a junior dick? Well, you know how smelly people don't know that they smell? Well, if you never worry that your kid is going to be a dick, then most likely they will be. So you need to hear this. First of all, if your kid is a dick, it's most likely your fault. Unless said kid is like possessed by a demon. But realistically, though, your kid's behavior is a reflection of your own dickishness. And we don't mean like regular kid behavior like tantrums or even meltdowns. We mean their overall manner of interacting with the world. So we're going to give you some examples of situations that could give your kid the wrong idea about how to be a good human. Those self-proclaimed unqualified experts... I have a teenage son, and Aaron is the archetype of a cool aunt. We even enlisted our brother Mike, who has a teenage daughter and works as a high school teacher, to share his perspective on the topic. I'm also in the unique position of realizing that I can be an asshole, and at the same time, not wanting to infect my kid. I will even go on record as having been a staunch kid hater until like 15 years ago. Understanding that I, a subpar human, was going to be responsible for churning out a decent human I subscribed to every parenting magazine under the sun the week I realized my oven was set to bake. I've been conscious and vocal about demonstrating to my son how and why it's important to be a good person. So if you recognize yourself in any of these situations, fast forward like 10, 15, 20 years. Is this how you want to see your kid? No one here is going to tell you how to raise your kid, but we are going to point out some red flags that you might be raising a shitty kid. Here's some clues. Let's start with places that babies and children should not visit. Full disclosure, we are from an off-the-boat Irish family. We grew up visiting family and consequently going to pubs, and this was in the 80s. This did not make us junior patrons. We knew our place, and it was the kids' table with the Shirley Temples and the coloring books. We only approached the bar area to ask our grown-ups for more pinball quarters or maybe an order of potato skins. We still knew not to actually go up to the bar. Irish kids in a New York pub in the 80s still knew that it was not okay to sit at the bar. One of my bartender friends was telling us about a guy he had to ask to leave the bar because, wait for it, his infant was clearly under 21 thus legally unable to sit at the bar, let alone on the bar, which I guess this guy thought that maybe like a car seat would create some kind of loophole. Baby Bjorn or Barstool, it don't matter. No one under 21 is allowed to be at the bar. And this guy's stunning reply was, you mean I can't go to the bar because I got no one to watch my kid? Yes, sir. That's exactly what that means. That's like number three on the list of instructions they give you along with your newborn discharge papers at the hospital. It's like, number one, feed them. 
Number two, support their heads. Number three, you cannot take them out drinking. You notice how the bar stools at a bar are higher, but the chairs are really small at like a Chuck E. Cheese? That's because one is designed for children and one is not. A good rule of thumb is if someone has to help you onto a bar stool, you don't belong there. And just a quick aside, that does not include the, um, I'm not sure what the proper term is, so I'll just say the Tyrion Lannisters of the world. You are not included in this, and I will be more than happy to grab you a step stool. But really, if a baby is sitting at my bar, he better have one hell of a fake ID. We took a trip to New Orleans this summer, but it's not how you're thinking. It was like if Fraser and Niles went to the Big Easy. It was a lot of museums, like history tours, which means that we spent about seven minutes on Bourbon Street, during which time we saw an inordinate number of families. But if it had been a different type of trip, I don't need your baby judging my perfectly normal adventure into debauchery. Why should I censor my adult actions in an adult environment to avoid being a bad example to your kid? You're the one that chose to forego watching little Einsteins at the hotel and brought them bar hopping instead. This blew my mind. And I live in Las Vegas, so I'm used to seeing people make questionable decisions. But at least on the Vegas Strip, if I see you pushing a stroller, I may assume you're going to the Marvel Avengers Station or the Shark Reef Aquarium. There's actually a ton of educational, culturally rich, and family-friendly attractions on the Strip. But unfortunately, you have to walk through a casino to get to most of them. That being said, if you pass through a casino and pass 10 different bars before you get to mine, it should come as no surprise when I tell you that you have to be 21 to sit there. Just because there is a kid-friendly exhibit does not mean that when it's over, you and your kid can just pop into a nightclub or hit the blackjack tables. You do what you came to do and keep it moving. But over on Bourbon Street, I could not even give the people the benefit of the doubt that they were headed somewhere kid-friendly. There was nothing. Yeah, dude, there's no baby's first jazz club. And I don't specifically remember seeing anyone wearing a I bourboned my diaper on shit street onesie, but I could have missed it when the record player in my brain scratched at seeing strollers bump along the pukey cobblestones. But okay, so what about places that kids can frequent? You ever been out to eat with a kid? It's a pretty average practice with a surprisingly high potential for crushing someone's soul. Is there a kid's menu? Yes, it's that coloring book page with pictures of anthropomorphic food friends going on adventures. Sadly, these adventures are not just a little Billy son of a bitch's stupid tummy, but to the floor, squished and vanquished along with their Cheerio comrades. But with all the opportunities to create mayhem, how can he possibly focus on getting food into his gob? I mean, there are tables to circle at breakneck speeds while dodging bussers, booths begging to be jumped on, sugar caddies to dump, salt shakers to empty, conversations to ruin by whining about being bored. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. Let's just be seated and find that coloring page. So what's on the menu, you ask? Here's a surprise. It's kids menu shit. You know, the standard offerings that your kid will complain about no matter what, because they're not hungry or the place is stupid or the food tastes funny. 
What, you think I'm going to say that tonight's special is the smoked Gouda mac and cheese? Or perhaps suggest the roast quail fingers for your child's refined palate? No, they want chicken fingers. Every kid wants chicken fingers. And if you're wasting my time like this while he's on his iPad not giving a fuck, you're probably a shitty parent. And regardless of which bland garbage they're going to order, if they're old enough to disengage with your family during the meal for fear of disappointing their virtual clan in some epic battle, at the very least, teach them to be respectful and prepared to speak when the server comes back. And going back to our restaurant biz episode, make sure they know how to act and tip once they're old enough to go out on their own dime. Oh, and please don't ask them if they want white milk or chocolate milk. There are not two varieties. Milk is white, then you add chocolate to it. If they don't want chocolate milk, it's just regular ass milk. And the same goes for sauce. Don't say red sauce or white sauce. It's marinara or Alfredo. And if that's too ethnic for you, maybe try tomato or cheese. You sound stupid and you're passing the stupidity along to your kid. Okay, what about playgrounds? You sit there long enough and you could practically hear David Attenborough describe the brutalities of life on the savannah. Yeah, this isn't just a place for kids to get fresh air and exercise. It's where they learn to coexist in a shared space. Just because it's designed for your kid to run around safely doesn't mean that you aren't still on duty. You're supposed to be the one making sure that they're being cool. I always wanted my son to learn how to cooperate with others or stand up for himself if necessary, but I would have no problem tripping some junior fucker who keeps pushing my kid or knocking some pull-ups wearing punk snow cone into the sandbox. I will no doubt punch a baby bully, no remorse, and then buy my kid one of those coveted Spider-Man ice creams with the gumball eyes. In fact, once we go home to take our post-park nap, I will sleep as soundly as a baby that just got knocked the fuck out. I just in general, if your kid has a shitty attitude, they probably got it from you. I know you think that your child is just the bee's knees, but that does not mean that the world will too. They have to learn how to take responsibility and handle criticism without flipping out or they will never be able to function in the world. My friend is a personal trainer and I hear her talk about dealing with the flaky parents of minors that she's working with. The kids will not show up for appointments, waste her time, and then the parents get angry at her when they're charged for that session. I mean, you have to be accountable and show them how it's done. Otherwise, those kids will grow up and think that that's the way you treat people. So I know this makes me sound old, but sometimes I hear younger people, you know, the kids these days, saying things like, oh, it dropped. Well, did you drop it? Or did gravity just betray you? I know it's a little nitpicky, but I think it's a window into how they view themselves as passive actors in their own lives. And that could probably be a result of lazy parenting. All right. Now for the words that most kids hate. Let's go to school. Can we talk about the overly enthusiastic parents that do their kids' work? And I don't just mean like science fair projects, but homework. Who does that help? Are you also going to sneak in and take the test too? Like, what are they actually learning from this experience? Because it's clearly not how to employ the scientific method or proper MLA formatting. They're supposed to be learning that this endeavor is important 
and must be executed successfully. But what they're actually learning is that you don't believe they can do it on their own. Let them have the chance to make you proud or let them have the chance to screw it up royally. You're taking away the gift of failure, that opportunity to learn how to improve. There's no glory in earning an A on a seventh grade history report once you're in your 40s. Didn't you suffer enough having to learn the quadratic equation the first time around? Why go back? It's their turn to question when they'll ever use it. So that covers homework. But when they're in school, stop calling them during class. You know where they are, or at least where they're supposed to be. If you're that concerned that they may be skipping, put some stealth tracking app on their phone like a normal person. Our brother told us about answering a student's phone during a test, talking to the parent, and offering to take a message so the child could return the call after the test. I mean, he didn't actually like confiscate the kid's phone. The kid had it plugged into charge at his desk, and Mike saw dad calling, which is another thing. Teach your kid to be prepared. Charge your phone. And if their phone was fully charged and just died before fourth period, then they're clearly not paying any attention in class. Yeah, we know everyone is overstimulated these days, and kids' circadian rhythms change as they get older. But for the love of shit, make them sleep. Can you imagine how insulting it is to see someone faceplant during your lecture? Bueller. Bueller. Most likely that teacher is a subject matter expert and wants to share their knowledge and ignite a passion for learning. They're not stuck looking after your dumb kid. They're trying to help your dumb kid. Or maybe at least use them as a case study for their doctoral thesis. And not surprisingly, the shittier the parent, the more condescending they are at parent-teacher conference time. You guys really need to work with the teacher if your kid needs help to be a good student. Or at the very least, just to avoid having more of those awkward conduct or grades-related conversations. Um, yeah, little Susie Bitchface is blazing a trail to a successful pole dancing career. You don't want to hear that, and the teacher doesn't want to say it. Well, they do, but they want to say it to other teachers over a pitcher of beer at 3.46 on Friday afternoon. You know, the teachers simply translate students' knowledge and effort into a letter grade. It's not their fault your kid is earning a D, and certainly not their choice to give your kid a failing grade. So just be nice to teachers. They really don't get paid enough for your shit. So let's say you make it through the school year and your kid did not suck. You probably want to do something nice with them, right? Maybe a nice little trip to an amusement park. But do little impulsive trips even exist anymore within the global corporate entertainment complex? What were once big, special, once-in-a-lifetime experiences have become commonplace and almost expected. But you actually risk enjoying anything at all when you insist on doing everything on offer. Everyone is going to get tired and overstimulated, and parents end up paying a gazillion dollars to be reminded what pieces of crap their kids can be. Commemorative cups that you know are going to end up molding under the back seat. Ginormous lollipops that don't fit in anyone's damn face and cause a freakout when they fall out of your sticky monster's hands. Resort-style accommodations that have so many activities, you might not even use one of your $19,000-a-day park tickets. Or how about screaming once they encounter the costume character you had to wait an hour and a half in line to meet? 
If you pump them full of sugar and then you get stressed out about sticking to the schedule, you create a perfect storm for vacation ruining meltdowns. So just be cool, relax, try to enjoy your vacation and let everyone else do the same. And finally, if you are still not convinced that some people may be raising their kids in a questionable manner, warning labels serve as a reminder of that. You know, the ridiculous disclaimers like, hot coffee will be hot. Sleeping pills may cause drowsiness. Do not iron clothes while on body. And do not use hair dryer while sleeping. The reminders that some dummy didn't have enough common sense to read the actual directions, but was able to successfully sue some random company for ruining their life. Some of these are just insane, but my favorite has to be, to avoid danger of suffocation, keep this plastic bag away from babies and children. Do not use this bag in cribs, beds, carriages, or playpens. This bag is not a toy. No, garbage bags and cribs. Really? There should be absolutely no situation where a baby needs to have a garbage bag in the crib. Well, no live baby anyway. What are you doing? Recycling packing peanuts as pillows? Because those don't belong in cribs either. I mean, there are actually people who sued a bag company, and that's why this warning label exists. If you are a moron that needs these warning labels, or even a jerk that wastes everyone's time with frivolous lawsuits, this is a huge red flag that you are at risk of being a shitty parent. You should not have been allowed to reproduce, and if so, child services should have been contacted immediately. Okay, dude, we could probably go on and on about all of the ridiculous possible parenting mistakes anyone could make, but we'll save that for another episode. So let's just recap. Kids are fascinating weirdos. Please encourage them to be who they are, as long as it's not the center of the universe. The internet is full of reviews of family-friendly experiences. Use that as your guideline for your next vacation spot. And once you choose somewhere special to take your kid, make sure it's something everyone will enjoy and not just a backdrop for your Instagram photo shoot. And just be nice to teachers. The pandemic gave us all a glimpse of what they deal with every day, but on a smaller scale. The least you can do is be cooperative. Or at least send in a gift card at the end of the year. This PSA has been for the dicks. If this has not been your cup of tea, well, then you're probably a dick. Sorry. Email us and tell us. Tell us why. We're always open to discussion and debate. And if this has been your cup of tea, that's awesome. And you're awesome. Subscribe to us, follow us, rate us, review us, all that good shit. Links are in the show notes. And tune into our next episode where we will discuss some inglorious women throughout history. So whether this has been your cup of tea or not, either way, thanks for listening. Thank you. And for our new international friends, cheers and Dankeschön. Bye, dude. Bye, dude.